For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into the Catella Chronicles podcast with your host, Domic Lorenz, and I'm joined again by co-host David Goodkind. David, how are we doing tonight? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Congratulations on the recent stint, by the way, being back in the booth. Oh, thank you very much. It's been a busy week, I will say for myself. I was very lucky enough to fill in in the California League for minor league baseball, low A level for the Arizona Diamondbacks affiliate, the Visalia Rawhide. Their broadcaster, Jill Guerin, was out. She was in the, at their AAA facility uh, doing some TV color work, and she gave me a call and said, hey, do you want to fill in for three days? And I said, where do I got to be? She said, can you be at San Bernardino, home of the Angels Farm System? I said, I'll be there shortly. So it was a fun three days. Rawhide won two of three from the Inland Empire 66ers. So there's your quick little minor league report for the Angels Farm System. But it was a terrific weekend and a pleasure to do it, uh, you know, then and hopefully again soon. You never know what can happen, but it was really great to be back in the booth. But uh, David, it's great to be back on the uh, podcasting ways with you, which is always nice. Ditto. You know, since we've been gone, in a sense, from the very last podcast that we did, Last time we talked about the Angels rough stretch, and then we had some positive news with the Anaheim Ducks. This time, it's all about the Angels because guess what Tuesday is? Trade deadline Tuesday, that coveted time of the year where teams that are pretty much in consideration, if not already what looks to be clinched in the playoffs already, look to get stronger. And the teams at the bottom of the divisions look to basically give away all their assets for a lot of prospects. Or sometimes you may get surprised here and there. For the Angels... They are a very interesting story, a team that is extremely struggling right now, fourth in the division, still under 500 by more than 10 games. What everybody would think they should be sellers, but who knows what Perry Manassian has up his sleeve when Tuesday afternoon comes around at 3 p.m. when the deadline sails. Before we get to the deadline, what are your initial thoughts right now quickly on what's going on with the Angels. The month of July is over. How do we take everything that happened in July, especially since the All-Star break? Well, they're clear sellers. There's, you know, even if they start playing better, they're basically not going to be able to lose any games if they want to make the playoffs. So that's kind of off the table. They get, they're going to have to sell. The problem for them is they don't have too many assets to sell right now that other teams are going to want to want. So the Angels are, are, are in a sticky bind right now where it's, just trying to maximize value of, of guys that are movable. Absolutely. And, you know, the Angels scuffled horribly going into the All-Star break, and then they come out of the All-Star break playing three with Atlanta, three with Kansas City, and they came home to play four against the Texas Rangers. In that time, they went four and seven since the All-Star break. They did take two of three in Kansas City, which was the first time the Angels had a series win since the end of June when they did that at home against the Chicago White Sox. So what you thought was positivity going into this week, and they end up losing three of four to Texas, 
And I mentioned this right before they took on Kansas City in that first game last Monday. The Angels were entering a 26-game stretch where 16 of those 26 games were going to be against teams under 500. Those are games that you need to win. I'm not saying by doing that, the Angels are going to be right back in the thick of the playoff hunt, but at least it shows some competitiveness and shows a drive to win. And maybe you get lucky, you catch a streak, you catch some other teams streaking in the opposite direction, and maybe you're within five to seven games and at least can play some meaningful baseball in September. But so far in that stretch, they win two of three, but then lose uh, three of four. So right now, the Angels are three and four to begin that 26-game stretch. Over the next 10 games, they have six against Oakland and four against Seattle. Now, Oakland is worse than the Angels, so hopefully they can take at least four of six, maybe even five of six. That would be a dream. And then you know Seattle's going to be a dogfight, especially with what happened last time those two teams saw each other, and there was a brawl at Angel Stadium. So before we get into trade deadline stuff, What do you think about the Angels over the next 10 games? Six with Oakland, four with Seattle. Uh, The Seattle series is extra daunting. Uh, Seattle has been playing better as of late. I think their only losses in July came at the hands of the Astros. It's not not bad at all. Uh, The Oakland series, like you mentioned, there are – the Angels, to put it bluntly, are one of the worst teams in baseball this season. But there are some teams that are worse, the Royals being one of them, and maybe Oakland as well. So that could be a a series where – get some entertaining baseball, you know, the angels pick up, pick up a couple games. So uh, it'll be a nice break from the onslaught that has been this summer. Uh, Hopefully I I don't want to jinx them going into it, but um, yeah, it's just been rough. There's not a lot of uh, positivity to say, except for, you know, thank God Oakland's finally coming to town, I guess. Yeah. I guess that would be the one saving grace that's going on for the angels right now. And after this stretch, with six with Oakland and four with Seattle. They have games against the Twins, and then uh, Seattle comes back into town again. But guess what? When August 22nd rolls around at the end of the month, the Angels have an even more daunting schedule. They have back-to-back-to-back series against Tampa, Toronto, and then they come home to take on the Yankees. So not an easy way out of the month of August, the dog days of August. If you want some positivity, if you want to beat up on the teams you should be beating, This is the time to do it. And like I said, if they win, let's say 10 of the next 10, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be right in the thick of it for a postseason berth, but at least it still shows that competitiveness and that drive to win and at least hopefully play some meaningful games in September instead of basically unloading the AAA Salt Lake Bees bus at Angel Stadium for kind of what we have seen in 2021 and in the recent years past. Now, the Angels are 43 and 59 heading into their day off today, Monday, August the 1st. And so they will not have a game until trade deadline day. Right now, Noah Syndergaard is supposed to go for the Angels that day against Oakland A starter Frankie Montas. And both of those (laughs) pitchers are rumored to be in a lot of trade discussions right now. So potentially that might not be the match if we get signed, right. uh, pardon me, on Tuesday. It could be both of them. It could be one of them. It may not be the other. Or basically both of them might not even be there at that time. It could be a very last minute thing that happens for the Angels or even the Oakland A's. But the Angels are 11 games out right now. That's where they were when they started off the series last week against the Royals. So the in this stretch, three wins, four losses, the Angels did not gain or did not lose ground. I feel that's pretty much very much Angels baseball over the past five or six years. You win some, you lose some, and you really don't gain or lose ground 
yeah, at this yeah. point in the season. I feel it's we're just a lot kinda, of middling, yeah. We're just numb to this fact at this point right now. Hopefully there's still time for the Angels. At least I just want to see competitive baseball. The starting pitching has been really good over the past week. Syndergaard had a nice performance against the Royals, even though the offense didn't show up. Shohei Otani had a good start against Texas. The offense didn't show up. Some surprising pitching. Jansen Junk and Reed Detmers had phenomenal performances this week for the Angels. So the starting pitching has been pretty good over the past seven to 10 days. It's, of course, been the offense that's been lacking. Again, same old story for the Angels. I don't think we could. Can we get even more spicier? I think. I don't know how much more we can harp on the the Angels don't have depth, the offense is lacking. I think we'd just be beating a dead horse at this point. I think I'm so dead inside to get into <laughs> this team. To be completely honest, I've kind of like accepted the predicament that the franchise is in currently, and I'm like just, oh, you, have you ever seen The Departed? Yes. Okay, I feel like Matt Damon at the end of that movie when he walks into his apartment and he sees Wahlberg standing there with the gun, he's just like, okay. Like, this is, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the best way to sum up. That's actually a perfect metaphor. Right that's yeah, the yeah. perfect metaphor. My gosh, the departed. But there's a meme online, you know, the triangle, you know, you get your hopes up, you lose it. But then you wake up the next morning, and you want to hope again. And it's just kind of that right. everlasting circle. And hey, I give it up for the fans. You know, I try to be an eternal optimist at all times. But there's some times where you just have to say no that the writing's on the wall and maybe, you know, we saw what we saw in April and early May from the squad. And we thought postseason bound at least was the minimum that the angels could do. But then that 14 game losing streak, Joe Madden gets fired. The brawl with Seattle, all the suspensions, Mike Trout is being getting dinged up. You name it. What hasn't been on the bingo card yet? I, I, I would love to know that answer. It's been crazy too, (laughs) because the highs have been so high. And the lows Denver's, have been so no, no. low. And then, yeah, and then you have a 14-game losing streak. It's been a really wacky season with stuff that should be so fun, but the season will not be remem- remembered fondly. It's been really tiresome. It's been a really long season. I feel like this, is, this season's gone on for like three years already. Realistically, not only do the Angels have to just become a completely different team tomorrow yeah. and, and play perfect baseball, like they have to change overnight the team identity. And, and, and the fundamentals and the mechanics and everything has to change literally overnight and they have to play perfectly. And then the other teams have heard them all have to lose. Yeah. The math isn't there. It's not going to happen. No. And right now, the only thing I think that for me, the, the, the optimism inside deep into my heart, again, I'm part optimist, part realist, and I can read the writing on the wall that the Angels are not making the postseason this year, barring a freaking miracle. But the one little optimism in my mind, because like I said, I still want to see competitive baseball at the end of the day at minimum. And until that E for elimination is next to the Angels name, mathematically and technically, I use quotations loosely, the Angels still have a chance. And I think that's like the only optimistic line right now I can use for this squad. If if I'm an Angels fan, I think the fun is you're hoping the team starts playing better so that they can play a proper spoiler as the season progresses. Yes. It'll be fun to screw over Seattle again. Like that would be, that would be a fun. Oh yes. I think they might be the new rival. They're the, Uh, yeah, I think without doubt right now, just, just whatever, you know, all the, all the quotes after that game, the, with the brawl, uh, I think that's these two teams probably 
really don't like each other right now. Well, and so. especially after what happened this weekend between the Mariners right. and the Astros with Julio Rodriguez getting hit and going to the IL, and then their starter, George Kirby, throws and hits Jose Altuve in the head, first pitch at the bottom of the first today. It, I'm sorry, I don't want to make this, and you know, let's jump on the Mariners bandwagon and, and whack them a little bit, but they're getting on the Angels for being basically classless and, and throwing, and then this is the third instance they've done that this season. Yeah, it's, it's a load of BS. One, one team is trending in that direction, the Mariners, and the Angels were a blip in the road. I think the last time the Angels had a good, solid brawl before the Mariners was what, maybe back like early 2010s, late 2000s. I remember Bobby Abreu for the Angels against Josh Beckett of the Red Sox. Right. Like that's like the, the most notable brawl that I can remember that the Angels were in. So, you know, that could be a whole nother topic within itself. But the Angels over the next 10 days, six against Oakland, four against Seattle. I know the series in, in Seattle is going to be brutal, especially with those fans in Seattle. Hopefully there is no carryover from the brawl that happened at the Big A. Mike Trout is still TBD on when he will return from the quarter zone injections in his back. If he can make it for that Seattle series, I expect at least four home runs from him because he is their papa. I'm sorry. I kind of hope I kind of <laughs> hope he's not back for that because honestly, it could, honestly, it could spell trouble. At him? Like, yeah. what if they start throwing at him and he's coming off an injury? Just you know. Yeah, I, I would rather process organization. I would worry about that. Yeah, you might want to save Trout, you know, save his career, save his season from being over just in case that if something wild happens, err on the side of caution. I think maybe if you're Phil Nevin, but knowing Mike Trout, he's going to be like, I want to play and I want to do what I got to do to help this team in any way. Right. So again, that's if the he's, power. If he's, healthy, if he's healthy, he'll play. If he's healthy, he'll play again. And that's $450 million speaking right there to you. So, you know, he's going to make his call whenever he wants. But regardless of that, that's where the Angels are right now as we head into August the 1st. April's done, May's done, June's done, and July is over. Four months in the books, two months remaining. You're telling me there's a chance still. The elimination's not there for the Angels, but there is a deep, long, far road ahead for the angels if they even want to get towards the final playoff spot against really good competitive teams in the american league but what we're here for today episode number five trade deadline august 2nd three o'clock pacific time the deadline will hit that will be it there has been some trades that have already gone down luis castillo got sent to the seattle mariners David Peralta goes from the Diamondbacks to the Tampa Bay Rays, and Andrew Benatendi goes from the Kansas City Royals to the New York Yankees. So three big trades have already happened. What could be next? I know Juan Soto's a big name. Frankie Montas is a big name. But I think the biggest name of them all is, of course, right here in Anaheim, and it's Shohei Otani. Rumors have been swirling for weeks now that because the Angels have been losing, he only has one more contract year before he hits the free agent market. His value is extremely high right now. He's been pitching at a dynamic level. He's been homering at a dynamic level. And his bat has been a little more consistent this year than maybe last year. He had some ebbs and flows to his game, but still, hey, a 2021 MVP type season for Shohei Otani. David, what? If the Angels were to trade Shohei Otani, if, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to preface it with that. I 100% firmly believe the Angels are not trading Shohei Otani by Tuesday's deadline. Going with the opposite, if they were to trade him, what kind of haul would the Angels get back? 
And we know it would be a dumpster fire for the front office because the fans would have everybody's head. But what kind of haul would the Angels get back? I'm in your side of this camp. I, I don't think they're, they can, they're going to move them, but it's not going to be for a lack of trying. You know, they're reportedly looking for four, you know, top prospects from whatever team they're looking for or looking, looking to trade with. And then uh, also some major league talent. I don't think it's a crazy ask seeing on what we've seen with Castillo and what the rumors have been swirling around with Soto. But that being said, I don't see a team willing to meet the necessary package. He's such a generational talent. So the Angels have to ask for something crazy because they wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they weren't. That's, that's a reasonable haul if you're like someone with Castillo with a couple of years of control left. Otani is going to be on, on his final year next year, and he's going to command a salary closer to Mike Trout. So whatever team gets them in a trade, they're going to, unless they're the Dodgers, they're going to risk losing them. Because the Dodgers are the only team that are con- consistently – very cool with breaking that luxury tax. Not in the Yankees. The Yankees in this part of the century have become a bit more uh, frugal with their money. You know, you're looking at the Padres and the Dodgers, essentially, that, that can really afford this and, and take the one-year flyer or bank on re-signing him. Other than that, it's a, it's a real gamble, and you're, you'd have to give up the haul. You're balancing between realism and, and uh, both what you want from that package and, what, and, and if the contract's even movable. What I end up thinking is going to happen ultimately is Artie is going to let Otani walk for a couple of reasons. One, you can't trade him. Like we've talked about uh, that, that the, the package that would, that he would require back. It's just not a lot of teams are going to get up to that. And secondly, Otani puts butts in the seats. He makes money on promotions. Artie will take that for another year before hitting this, this divot, which it went to, if Otani leaves, uh, it's going to be pretty massive. Attendance will drop, money coming in will drop. So um, you're looking for an unprecedented haul. It's kind of like, tr- it's like the trade of Mike Trout conversation, conversation all over again. Like, how do you get back in value of what you're giving up? You just really, you really, you realistically can't. Yeah, it's a, I think to sum it up in one word, the Angels in this situation with Shohei Otani, it's a conundrum. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. And, you know, if you do it, you're going to benefit the team potentially because you do get those top prospects and maybe some major league talent, maybe lower level major league talent to kind of supplement a little bit that time span. But then if you don't do it, you're handicapping your team a little bit. But at the overall scope of the day, you may be losing fans when you trade Otani. You're going to create a dumpster fire in the front office and the fans are going to be charging the gains every single day. And you can only imagine the onslaught that would come from social media. It would be suicide. If the angels traded Shohei Otani, the angels have always drawn very well. The orange County uh, uh, people have always enjoyed going to angel games. It's a nice, you know, I remember back when I was a kid, sports illustrated voted the ballpark, the most family friendly out of all the sports in America. So it's always a nice time and there will always be those laid back fans looking for something to do. It's never going to get to the level of Oakland or even Tampa in terms of attendance, even if Otani left, but then you also have the online presence, which is frankly insane. And that that's where the, that's where the combatantness combativeness will, will really shine. 
So it'll be a really great character study almost of, of just a, a bipolar fan base <laughs> and how they r- respond to a, a, a move of that kind of magnitude. Um, one that we've one that we've never seen. Angels have never been, at least in this century, have been sellers with big name players like they potentially are this season and going into next season. It's really sad to see it finally happen after watching so many teams elsewhere, you know, lose their star players, their franchise players. We've never really had to deal with that here, but it's, you know, I guess this happens to everyone at some point and it's finally Angels turn. Absolutely. And it's hard for the Angels because we had so much hope going into this season and that hope turned into reality, as we've all mentioned and seen in April and early May. So who thought in April and early May that this would be the situation we are in right now where we might have to say goodbye to some key pieces. You know, the team that jogs my memory in recent years that had to deconstruct a little bit was the Chicago Cubs. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo got traded last season and that was huge. They were a part of that Cubs run that snapped the curse. They were, they've been a fabric and a thread of the Chicago landscape and they're gone now and they have not come back and the Cubs haven't been the same ever since. So Looking at them and now looking at the Angels, it's a very polarizing and different vantage point looking at it now as a team and fan base where we're like, oh, it's our turn now. We got to sit back and watch craziness ensue with our names swirling in the wrong terminology at the wrong time. And that's it's not fun. No. Absolutely. It's it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. And you can only imagine Perry Manassian right now, knowing and after he pretty much fell on the sword and blamed himself for everything that's going on with the angels right now, which I think was a noble move. I don't think it was a hundred percent true, but it was a noble move by a, a second year GM for the angels. But if you look at it from the scope, and this is one idea I had thought about when it comes to Otani potentially being traded, let's say he does not get traded, which I think we both think won't happen this year within the next 48 hours. I think it would just right. be, it, it, barring In the off season, a, it gets serious. Correct. I think barring a miracle, I'm not saying a miracle in a good way, but barring something like that, it would happen. But if we get to next season, the final year of his contract, and he's still not signed to an extension when opening day arrives, opening day 2023. If the Angels go out, make moves in the off season, and at this point next year are competitive, in the thick of it, already maybe having a wild card spot in hand already in a good position and they make the playoffs. I know that's a big ask, but let's say the angels play well, get good pieces, perform and get to the place, at least get to the playoffs. Does Shohei Otani resign with the angels? Maybe, <laughs> and I, the questions um, could get harder. I think as time goes on. Personally, it's, it's of my opinion that if they don't get him an extension this offseason, he's gone kind of regardless of what happens next that would make season, sense. Um, unless, they, unless they like win the world series or something. I think if they make the playoffs, it's still 50, 50, if he stays or goes, it's, I don't, I also personally don't think they're going to make the playoffs next year, unless Artie Moreno all of a sudden decides that the blank checkbook is actually a blank checkbook because this team right now is constructed. They're going to lose some pitching probably. Uh, the bullpen's got question marks. They obviously have depth issues at almost every single position. Actually, at every single position, now that I think about it. Like, because yeah. Trout's going to be out. He's going to miss time. And who knows how good the kids are in 
the, the corner outfield. The only consistent so, position I think so far this year playing wise has been Jared Walsh at first base. That's it. That's it. And he's taken a step back big time this season. So exactly. I mean, they really have, they have no depth at any position. So they have to address that. And then they also have to go give Otani a record AAV. It's <laughs> I, And while being competitive, making the playoffs, like they have to basically do like seven years worth of work in one off season. And that's a hard ask for Perry. He's getting, thrown to the, he's getting thrown to the wolves. Let's be I, real. I mean, when it comes to his comments, it's like if Artie really did give him a blank check, then yeah, he really screwed the pooch coming into yeah. the season because he didn't build any depth. But if Artie was stingy with his money where he wanted to go and all that stuff, then yeah, he fell on the sword when he didn't really have to. But, you know, if Artie really wants to win, it's like one, you have to put money into the farm system like several years ago. And two, <laughs> if you want to... Yeah, it it too. If you wanted to, if you want to win next season, I mean, you really have to go out and spend like a madman. You have to go spend with with money you probably don't have. So that's just just, that's just to get competitive because the team is not competitive right now. And again, next year going into that season, they're going to be as fragile at depth. One injury like Rendon getting hurt again could undo the whole season. To get onto your point of Otani not signing an extension but staying with the team in free agency uh, next season. Yeah, that's possible, but in my opinion, it's 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 like a beanstalk sprouting up from the ground and going to the heavens. Possible, it's like I really don't see this happening where the team just automatically changes everything we know about them and turns it around in one season. It's like they are who we thought they were going into next season or or, or whatever. Like I just don't see a one eighty. This this team, this team isn't. Every team goes through injuries and every team goes through slumps they're they're they've been consistent these last few months with how bad they are and what areas they're bad in so when someone shows you who they are believe them it's not that they're scumbags it's just they're not very good so you need to reconstruct the lineup this offseason you, you need to fix the bullpen you, you you need to just reset everything and I just, in that, in that sense, you have to basically assign Otani while you do that because there's, there's still a path forward to being successful in the future. I just don't see it happening next year. The stars need to align for, the, for this to happen, but there are so many variables to consider when it comes to right. the Angels. Not just who do we sign or who do we trade for to fill in these gaps, but that's just layer one. Like you said, depth bullpen there, there's so many other variables and you have that- you have nothing working in the minors right now to prove that you have a steady franchise moving forward and to, to that credit anything that has come up through the minor league system has struggled they haven't come onto the right. scene and jumped off the page for the first time we're seeing reed detmers do that ever since he came back from triple a he's looked fantastic like the reed detmers yes. we all expected so he gets a positive note on his side but Joe Adele, no. Brandon Marsh, moments, but not so much. You know, go down the list. All these top prospects and these quality arms or bats that the Angels have had brewing are not translating to Major League Baseball that well. That's a tough app factor to put into the equation as well. So there's so much to do for the Angels. There's so many opportunities and options for Shohei Otani. But bottom line, I think we both agree he doesn't get traded by this Tuesday's trade deadline. We'll have to see how the rest of the season goes. And then I think this offseason. 
when we get to opening day next year, that's going to be, I think, the real indicator. I think we'll know. I think we'll know by opening day what's yeah. going to happen. I if think we'll not, have a good understanding. If not spring training, you know, right. once, every, once the media gets there and, and starts getting r- the rumor mill. So spring training opening day. But again, do we hold anything if, against Artie Moreno at this point to make us surprise? You know, we thought we needed pitching and he got Anthony Rendon. So surprise. They, he needs to go just spend on everything <laughs> coming up. But well, over the la- be, for one year, be the Dodgers. Yeah, seriously. And just see I mean, what happens. We know what the Angels are like when you don't spend or you're conservative with your money. Let's try one season spending a buttload. And if it still doesn't work, well, then that's a bigger problem. But if it works, there's an indicator of if you spend, you will win. I'm just saying, you know, people are saying baseball is a numbers game. A lot of people think it's stat driven. I think a lot of people know it's money driven as well. Let's be real. And and they don't they don't have enough. Uh, of, of a safety net in the minors to no, not even to, to not spend. So you, you have to do this. And, and honestly, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Otani gets traded this deadline. Uh, I, I, like I, like we both said, I, I really don't think it's going to happen, but if he does get moved, it is for that hall. And that at least will be some sort of ray of sunshine and, and something nice coming into the angels franchise. I could desperately use some sort of, excitement especially in their farm system so it's it wouldn't be the end of the world if he gets moved in the next couple days Uh, it would it would suck and i would hate to see i you know i'm already gearing up even if he doesn't get traded to see him in a different uniform and i'll root for him for anywhere he goes he's he's been a class act the entire time he's been a unicorn he's been great to watch great for the sport of baseball has really grown it uh can't say one bad thing about shohei so i even if he went to the dodgers i'd root for his success but it would it's gonna suck (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. but if they got if they got if they got a nice package of what the what the rumors have been saying that they get back, you you can't fully hate it. Here here's one option before we get on to some other angels and future potential MLB deals besides the Angels organization. Um, what if this happened? This would be a funny scenario. I don't think it would happen, but you never know. Let's just let's just toss something in the air and see if if we can make sense of it. Angels trade Otani by Tuesday get a haul for him, four to five prospects, a couple other players, so on and so forth, whoever may be and whatever team it may be. He's there for the remainder of this season and next season, correct? And then he's a free agent. What if in that free agency, after he's, you know, with another team, he decides to come back and sign with the Angels? The Angels would have traded him, got their prospects, let him see greener pastures for a year plus, and then figure out a way to bring them back via free agency. Now that yeah, would be I'm, something wild to see. That would be great. Um, <laughs> but I'd also, I'm also sour on that because of Anthony Rendon's contract. That uh, throws they, a wrench into a lot of things. They, they just can't afford a contract like Otani. They, they need, they can go out and get star players. But they can't really afford superstars, which is fine. You, 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 you hope that Trout's back holds up and, Anthony Rendon is healthy for the first time in his Angels career. I mean, these are obviously stuff you can't really rely on, but it'd be nice to have these, you know, the, the good health, the good build of health. And then you go get a couple of nice players like the Trevor Story types and you see what you can do with that. Um, but I, I just, it's so tough because Otani is going to get and deservedly so an astronomical figure in his next contract where it could very much likely make him the highest paid 
athlete in the United States uh, uh, per year. It, that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. He could he correct. He really could garner a contract like that, not just because of his talent, but because of his his marketability. I don't know if the Angels can afford him. It, it, again, it's hard to say. I I don't know if they can. I don't think they can. But I mean, Artie Moreno is a wild without card. a salary cap. You can technically afford him, but I don't think uh, within Artie Moreno's. Uh, um, budget right. over the years. If, let's say, unless he completely changes his mindset overnight, he can't afford it. Yeah, and again, Artie Moreno is a wild card. Like we said a couple years ago, we need pitching. He goes and gets Rendon. Like you never know what you're going to get with Artie Moreno. So again, can the Angels afford Otani? Probably not, based on where the team is at right now. But do I hold it against Artie Moreno to go do that and pay? basically upwards of a billion total dollars between Trout, Otani, and Rendon, and then just leave the rest of the team to shambles, but still get a lot of money because you have three, I would say, top 20 to top 30 players in Major League Baseball in your starting lineup on a when they're all healthy. You know, Artie Moreno is a very fickle man. It, it's going to be an interesting storyline that goes on between now and if he stays over the next 48 hours into next season and so on and so forth. So there, there was a uh, athletic article sort of going into about Otani and, and his possibility of being traded and all that. And it kind of touched on, on Artie Moreno's sensitivity towards the fan base right now. Uh, he understands he's been villainized. Uh, maybe he doesn't believe he deserves it, but that doesn't change the fact that he's been villainized. He's the villain right now of this franchise. There is an opportunity for him to rectify that and he knows how and it's not going to be cheap but there's a path forward to sort of redeeming himself a little bit with this and just a matter of how much he's willing to spend to do that and this could be the straw that breaks the camel's back in the sense of we feel we kind of know Artie Moreno a little bit again we're not behind closed doors but with the moves that he's made and the decisions he's done so far in recent years but Shohei Otani could potentially be his ultimate undoing, at least right. his relationship with the fans by this time next year or this year or whatever. The, oh, the Otani topic could be his undoing if he handles it poorly and does it completely in the wrong way. You know, there, again, there's so right. many factors yeah. from A to Z that can go into it. It's going to be a storyline that continues for a very very long it, time in the New it York. is unfor- it is unfortunate the fan base can be so lax because if this was happening in new york oh my I gosh swear to god a, a mob would have forced him to sell by now oh my god take that stuff so seriously i wish we kind of did too to a certain extent and held, held you know there there's a sizable group of this fan base holding him accountable but and man people are still not. going to games and still you know buying souvenirs and spending on concessions and giving him more money and rewarding him for basically running this franchise into a, a very new low. Yeah. And, uh, I called it the, the Mariana trench the other day. Of, yeah. Uh, once a, once a goes, that's, that's it. You're at the bottom of the ocean um, <laughs> in my lifetime. And I, I grew up with the angels in the late nineties and the mid nineties and all that. And they weren't really great. And so when they won the world series, it was a shock. And so, you know, growing up, the, the team was never that good, but I don't remember them ever being this disappointing. I really don't. Yeah, I, I think it's more so because they had such a great start to the season and it's been really that fall off a cliff type mentality. It's almost historic, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I think this is the cliff that a couple years ago, Max Kellerman thought Tom Brady was going to fall off of. (laughs) You know, this is the cliff that just derailed a season. It's happened in a real quick time span, but it's felt like a really long time. It's only been two and a half months that the Angels have been going through this drought right now, but it's feeling like two and a half years of pain right now that us fans. In the bulk of the season, yeah. Exactly. Now, besides Shohei Otani, the two names I've listed right here that could potentially be trade candidates, at least in my eyes, Noah Syndergaard's name has been thrown out a lot because he is a free agent at the end of this year, so he could be a rental for a quality playoff squad in the American League or National League. Um, he's 5-8 and eight with a 3.83 ERA and 15 starts this season, so he's a name that could be thrown out. And I think an under-the-radar name that could be thrown out is reliever Jaime Berea. He's been in the bullpen, partial starter his whole career with the Angels. But so far this year, I think I said earlier, Jimmy Herget was our best reliever. He's been injured. I think now it's Jaime Berea, 1-1. One ERA in 19 appearances. He's looked stellar over the past month or even during this stretch where the Angels have been bad. He's been a bright spot out of the bullpen. Um, Quickly, do you think both goes, one go, none of them go? What do you think between Syndergaard and potentially Berea? Syndergaard's going to get you something from a competitive team like the Phillies or the Yankees. I think he's going to end out West. I do think he's gone. I appreciate the nice things he said about the, 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 the franchise and his teammates and being out here. It sounds like he's enjoyed his time, but he's pitched well enough to get, to get something back uh, for a team that's really ready to make a playoff push. I think he'd be a really good fit with the Yankees, for example. Um, so I think he's gone. Berea, I think he's not going to get much back. And he still has, like you've mentioned, some pretty good value to the Angels. So I think he's going to uh, stick around. I think no Syndergaard probably is the, the, the guy to circle with all this, the most likely to be moved. Um, Michael Lorenzen could have been one of those guys, uh, but his injuries kind of derailed that. So honest, honestly, I think Lorenzen comes back and then probably works uh, an extension with the Angels at some point this season or offseason and stays an angel red for the foreseeable future. But he, before the injury, he could be one of the guys also moved. Yeah, I think I agree with you 100%. Syndergaard, I think, out of the pieces to the Angels that are not named Rendon, Trout, and Otani, is probably the leading candidate to be moved by the Tuesday deadline at 3 p.m. Um, he could go anywhere. I think any team that is looking for a front of the line, maybe top three starting pitcher. Right now, after Luis Castillo gets traded to Seattle, I think the ones on the list, it's Frankie Montas and Noah Syndergaard are probably the next two on the market. I know the Detroit Tigers have Tanner Skirball, um, the young lefty that... I've seen uh, Jose Quintana's name thrown around a lot. Yeah, you know, Quintana sucked for us, let's be fair. Um, And now he kind of revived his career a little bit in Pittsburgh, and now he's getting trade deadline vibes. So baseball is a funny game, let's put it out that way. But I think I agree, Syndergaard, if the Angels do lose anybody that's not named Otani. Syndergaard is probably the first one off the board. And anybody after those two players, I don't want to say would be a shock, but I just feel the Angels are going to be standing pat and just kind of dealing with what they have and going into the offseason and taking more time instead of making a rash 48-hour judgment to to fix whatever's going on or just deal with what is going on. You're you're trying to evaluate value. What are you going to get back, right? You're not trying to trade. You're trying. You're not trying to trade 
garbage for garbage, essentially. Correct. So, I, and I'm, I'm looking at like the roster. I mean, the only one off the wall trade that makes a little bit of sense is if they move Adele somewhere, but I don't see that happening. I think he's going to ride out the rest of the season with the angels. And then they decide what to do with them in the off season. He's already lost almost all his trade value. Yeah, um, absolutely. But that's I the can't... case of like, it's, it's like, you're not going to move David Fletcher. No one's going to take Rendon. Trout is probably an angel for life. You're not going to move Walsh because you have no one ready for first base. And then Taylor, Taylor Ward's not going, he's probably not going anywhere. No, uh, they really Brandon don't have anything Bullish, that anyone. No. no, no one. They don't have anything that other teams are going to want to want, except for maybe Adele in a project, and you can get maybe some mid-tier prospects for him. Maybe You're not really going to get anything anymore. The only thing I can also think of outside of the starting lineup is maybe Ryan Tapera. Maybe, maybe. yeah, that, maybe that, that that wouldn't shock me because he signed. I believe was that a one-year, two-year deal that Tapera got? Because I know Luke got I, two. I think Luke's the only one that's multiple. Him okay. and Iglesias. I think so, the yeah. pair is a one-year deal. Yeah, because to pair came in. To that. Yeah, I, I believe I believe he is only a one-year deal because he came like that week before the regular season started with Archie Bradley as well. So we'll see how that goes. To pair could be one that gets moved if someone needs a bullpen arm. But I still think Noah Syndergaard is the top-tier player on the Angels that teams are going to definitely inquire about over the next 48 hours. Now, besides the Angels taking them out of the equation, we – we hoped at this point we would be talking about what the angels want to get at a trade deadline instead of what they're going to give away. But let's look at major league baseball as a whole. Juan Soto is the biggest name outside of Shohei Otani that's being discussed right now via reports. It looks like it's going to come down to three teams. And I think it's because of money and the amount of prospects that can be turned back to the Washington Nationals. And that's the Dodgers, the Padres, and the St. Louis Cardinals have entered the group chat conversation. Out of those three teams that have been reported, who do you think gets Juan Soto? I think the Padres probably want him the most. I so agree. They, that may make them the most desperate. So I my agree. bet would be the Padres. The, it would be such a Dodgers move. But the funny <laughs> thing is, I don't think the – I mean, every team – would love to have Juan Soto, but I don't think the Dodgers really need him per se, like the way the Padres do. Um, so I, I think, you know, and who you said the, the Cardinals were in on that also. According to rumors, the Cardinals have entered the conversation. I don't they're know. Gonna but... prob- they're probably going to, their, their package probably going to be centered around what they can offer at the major league level while the Padres and be like, here, take the rest of our prospects. Yeah. Take our triple play uh, squad in El Paso. I think it'd be good for the Padres because they've already pretty much mortgaged their future with their current roster construction. Like they're not really built to, to be great in 10 years. They're built to win now. So when, I mean, don't half ass it, just go all in, I guess. And especially Um, because Juan Soto has two years remaining on a contract and the Padres window, I would say is that three to four year range. So it actually would line up perfectly in their win right. now mentality. And, and, and they shown their, you know, let's say, let's say they do extend their, their window. They shown their team. That's not willing to spend. Uh, San Diego is a great city. Um, it's, it doesn't, you know, it's a great ballpark. It's a really good fan base. Uh, they, they get nuts like us too. Um, but it's, they're, they're entertaining and they care. Um, and it's, it's a good team. It's a really good team. They're a playoff team. Um, there are worse places to wind up. So, you know, their chance of retaining Soto, I would think would be pretty good, actually. 
And so, they're doing I, all this right now without Fernando Tatis Jr. Right. I mean, you have star Manny Machado, uh, you know, Hosmer when he's on. They have some. They have, they got some dudes. They so, have some. Um, Jake Cronenworth's a good infielder, and you know their their pitching so, could be a little bit better. But I, I know they just re, they just re-upped um, Joe Musgrove, right? I believe so, it's the deal is the ink is nearly dry. It's not official, official, but I think but it they're working on it yeah. within the next couple of weeks. But the Padres got some dudes, and I think they're set up. I fit in nicely. Yeah, that that would be a really powerhouse team, and you have to be if you want to compete with the Dodgers in that division because the Dodgers will always be just star-studded and so set up, and they're never their window is never going to close. So no. when you're a team like the Padres who want to be taken seriously, who want to win, this is a move in that you kind of division. And it's, it's built for the playoffs, too. It's like, even if you don't win the division, no one's going to knock that against you because how competitive it is. Because even the Giants, uh, I know they're having sort of a down year this year. Up, they're up and down. They're, they're a well-run organization, so they'll always be uh, a factor. So uh, even if you don't win the division, you have those guys on that team uh, that we mentioned, you know, Tatis, and now you add Soto to that list, Machado. It's like, I, I'd be terrified <laughs> to go up against them. So it would I be think for them, quality. it's a risk that makes so much sense. And I think they have a package that are probably more attractive to the Nationals than what uh, the Cardinals can offer. I think the Dodgers possibly could, they, they could probably put together the best package. The question is if they, they really are into it, if they really want to go that far to do it. I think the Padres would do it in RP if they could. I think it's it's the Padres to lose right now, I'd say. Soto would be going to the Dodgers if this was the off season and the Dodgers had the ability to trade and extend Soto at the same time, like a sign and extension type thing. I think if that was the case for the Dodgers, they would win. But I think with it being trade deadline, middle of the season, I think it's San Diego's to lose based on their prospects. They are a top five prospect, you know, ranking system right now. So they do have terrific prospects that the nationals could utilize maybe within the next year or two, some infielders, some outfielders, and even some pitchers that they could utilize out there in DC. Besides, I, would, I would love for them to go and do this. That would be, that, yeah. they're already, they're already a lot of fun when they're, when they're playing well, this would just take them to a whole new level. I, I would really enjoy it if they actually made that move. Yeah, exactly. I think it does make perfect sense in that case scenario. And it keeps them competitive, as you said, against the Dodgers in a very tough NL West division. Right now. Other, there's plenty of names that maybe haven't come up and has been as popular, um, but the two teams I kind of want to circle right now that have made it known that we're selling, and that's Detroit, the Tigers, and because of their recent stretch, the Boston Red Sox are now going to be in selling mode. Now, you were on this in the offseason. You really wanted Xander Bogarts in an Angels uniform. Right. If the Angels were winning and in playoff and buying mode, this would have been the perfect dream of trying to go get Xander Bogarts, I think. That's where you package Adele. Yeah, this, exactly. That's, that's, that's where you make that move. By all accounts, it looks like the Red Sox are going to chance it with his contract. Uh, I know he's got an opt-out, I think, coming up at the end of this year. Um, they're, they're, it doesn't look like they're willing to trade him right now. No. So at the end of the day, it could have been moot. But the Red Sox are done. They're in last place in the East right now. Uh, Yankees are going to win that division and Toronto's playing a lot better and Tampa's still a force and the Orioles all of a sudden are winning ball games. So, uh, that, <laughs> that, that <laughs> that's just a, I mean, that really is the division. The, that's the division of death out there. Um, it's so tough. Uh, 
I don't, you know, the Red Sox have dug themselves in a hole that they probably can't climb out of. And if they do it, it'll, that'll be miraculous. That'll be like sort of happened with Tampa uh, all those years ago, game 160, 162, 163, or whatever it was that with the, with the Red Sox missing the playoffs that year, but they would have to basically become Tampa in that situation. Just going to tear while everyone else lost. And I just don't see it. So it sounds like they're willing to sell, you know, JD Martinez, his name was thrown out today. Uh, but by all accounts, it looks like they're going to try to hang on to Xander Bogarts. Um, Farm the Angels, I, I, you know, I, you can't rule anything out just because how, how screwed up the situation <laughs> is. It is like I wouldn't even mind them going and being buyers if they went and got guys who are under contract because you need to start fixing your roster now. Well, that's like, what I thought going yeah. into the All Star break and coming out of the All Star break. I said this in our last podcast. I said if the Angels come out of this All Star break. And in their first 11 games, go maybe six and five, seven and four. Maybe Perry's like, oh, maybe I can salvage something by maybe buying something and just making it look like we're going to try. And then, it, oh, it didn't work or, you know, some wacky scenario. But the Angels go four and seven and Trout's not playing. All the rumors swirling about Otani. But I still don't hold it against the Angels. Who knows? We could be buyers and we could have a completely different conversation at 3.01 p.m. or maybe. I don't know, 315, because some deals happen after three o'clock once they hit the media cycle. But by 315, 330 on Tuesday, we could be having a very different conversation than what we Maybe. think would happen. It's that's also like what I called back to though. It's you can't really trade garbage unless you want garbage back. Yeah. The Angels really don't have anything that anyone really wants except for the new draft picks. And I wouldn't really move any of those guys. Um, you kind of have to hope that the, the last few drafts work out and go from there so even if they want to be buyers i don't think they can just because they don't have the assets to get anything i even if they move adele at this point you're not gonna he's not enough to move the needle anymore so yeah i, I just i don't really know what they can do aside beside you know trading Syndergaard and a couple middle you know pieces here and there that really have no consequence it's just a bind that they're in that <laughs> You really can't, you know, it's quicksand, right? You can't really get out of this. Trading Syndergaard is not going to bring in a stud prospect that is going to become the next Mike Trout. Nope. They'll get a nice, they'll get, they'll get something nice back that'll be serviceable. That's it. Like they, they don't have, they have zero leverage going into this trade deadline. They have absolutely <laughs> no leverage. No. And we thought, like I said, back in the middle of May, we thought, ooh, this could be a trade deadline that could be sexy for the Angels. And now we're, sitting here going the complete 180 and saying there is no leverage. There's nothing we really can do. And we just have to sit on our hands and just eat it. Whatever happens, we just have to roll with. And at the end of the day, how do you sum that up? That's the conundrum of the Los Angeles angels. For, like me, that's for me. Yeah. It's like the only big move they could really make is you trade Otani for Soto. <laughs> that's the only thing that for me, that, that would be fireworks worthy. That yeah. They could possibly do. It's, it's going to be a very wild, I think, trade deadline this year. I think we're going to see more moves this year. I know everybody always says that, but I think based on the rumors and based on a lot of teams very, being very vocal within the weeks leading into the trade deadline, I think this will be a more busier trade deadline that I will say over the past 
three or four years, especially with the big names that could potentially go like a Juan Soto, like a Shohei Otani, like, oh, I don't know, a Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo already got traded. So you have big names that are ready to roll, could be out of town, who knows what can happen. That's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of the trade deadline because you never know what's going to happen. But again, at the end of the day, welcome to the Angels. We are the conundrum of baseball. It's always a wild card. You never know what can happen, especially with Artie Moreno. But with the Angels right now, it's struggle per usual as they finish the month of July, losing three of four to the Texas Rangers and start the second half post-All-Star break with a record of four and seven. Overall, 43 and 59 here in 2022. 23 and a half games back in the AL West and 11 games back of the final AL wildcard spot that is currently being occupied by the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 54 and 48. Over the next 10 games, the Angels will have six versus Oakland, four versus Seattle, but within the next 48 hours, it is the trade deadline. Who will be here? Who will not? We will see what happens. You're going to want to follow Catella Chronicles on Twitter. That's at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. Or, surprise, surprise, you can follow us on Instagram now. We have entered the Instagram universe with the same uh, username, at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. So get all the trade deadline updates, all the Angels coverage, and especially all the Anaheim Ducks coverage as well in the coming days and months here with the Angels season coming near a close final two months and the Anaheim Ducks season just around the corner in the fall. But I am your host, Dominic Lorenz, alongside my co-host, David Goodkind. David, thank you for joining us again. And uh, Of course. God, what's going to happen? I don't know. I, I want to have some predictions, I should say, but I don't think anything's on the bingo card anymore, and I think we just have to give up and just sit back. and. My prediction would, wouldn't be nice anyway. Let's, let's spare <laughs> the audience. So. We should, yeah, let's spare the audience. We've, you know, the Angels have beat a dead horse enough this season. We're just commenting on it at this point. You know, we got spicy early on in the season, and then we just said, if it's going to keep happening, I don't know how much spice the fans can take at this point. <laughs> right. But again, I'm Dominic Lorenz. That's David Goodkind. This is the Catella Chronicles podcast, episode number five. Again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the handle at Catella underscore C-H-R-O-N. Don't forget, we are the heartbeat of pro sports in Anaheim. And until next time, I'm Dominic, that's David. And we'll see you along the way on Catella Chronicles. <laughs>